you know, we plan for the worst, but we hope for the best. So if one is not going to be here, that the surviving spouse is going to be okay. And that's important to do that planning. That's the least you should do if you're married. That's what you should be doing uh, to show your loved one that you're going to you know, take care of them. That's what you should be doing. But unfortunately, some people don't want to go down that road. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome back in. This is the Retirement Reality Podcast. If you haven't joined us before, thanks for being a part of the program. You can find us online at principalpreservationservices.com. I am Ben George. He is Mike Coynan, founder and owner at principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, still summertime, <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying the weather. Yeah, good talking to you again. And, and today, this our topic is a little more serious than then we usually get into a little more somber, I guess, is maybe more accurate. Um, but the difficulty of financial planning after the death of a spouse, and you know, it's not something that any of us want to think about, uh, but I think it's important to plan for. Is this something right. that, uh, this is a conversation you have frequently with clients? Yeah, it's, it's more than you, you want to have to deal with. You know, just even having one of these in a year is, is enough for me. But it happens. I, I've had uh, three or four of these last year. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so it's it's a tough situation to be in, and um, you got to pretty much rebuild the plan all over again, uh, just to build the confidence up. And you know, most of our clients, we've we already had that plan built out. So uh, the what if scenario, if one passed, what would the other one look like? But you know, we see a lot of times in a relationship, one of the spouses is the majority uh, one controlling the finances. So. You know, if, and usually that's the case, that's the husband, typically. Not always the case, but majority of the time. And so if the widow comes in here, we have to uh, reestablish that, that, that trust and plan to show them, uh, show her, I should say, uh, you know, what that plan looks like so that they have that confidence to, uh, uh, they, they know they're going to be okay. Yeah, and that's why we want to talk about this today, because it's important to to plan for this ahead of time. You don't want to have to try to deal with a lot of these decisions, a lot of these choices, answer a bunch of these questions when you're dealing with the difficulty of, of uh, your spouse passing, that emotional and financial hardship that comes along with it can make it very difficult to make decisions. So we want to talk about what we can do to prepare for you know this big life event, this major life event in our life, and and why it's so important to do some some pre planning. So let's begin, Mike, with with this uh, this question. When you do have a client come in, and and you know even last year when you when you dealt with this, whether it's a man or a woman, you know right after they lost their spouse, what's typically the most the thing they're most concerned about? Yeah, first thing always is, am I going to be okay? Do I have to go back to work? How am I doing financially? Or Tell me, tell me where all my money is, you know, in a sense, because sometimes, like I said, the husband might have been controlling everything, not in the same being a control freak, but I'm just saying just running the finances and they just, you know, put too much trust into the spouse just to run everything. I was, that's why we're always a big fan of when people do planning to have both come in, even if one is really not as much involved, it's always good to know what's going on and where the money's at. So that's usually what we're establishing first is, is breaking down, you know, the income coming in, the expenses going out, we're, we're going through all these numbers all over again and making sure they're going to be okay. That's usually the priority. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm assuming that you try to at least have at least one conversation with both of them. I'm sure you like to do as many as possible, but at least have that one sit down with both spouses if possible. Oh, yeah. When we're doing our, our typical structured uh, meetings that we do with our clients, we have a, a process. 
usually we're doing three to four meetings before they become clients. So okay. we should we should have had met with them each you know three to four times together because we usually recommend husband and wife coming together. Now there are some occasions where one of the clients comes in and says, "No, I'm just handling everything. I'm doing all the planning, or all the money's in my name, so I'm not my my spouse. You stay home, mom, or." or whatever it might be, so she's not interested in it, so she's not coming. We don't recommend that, but that does happen here and there. Gotcha. Okay. Well, when when, uh, when one spouse does pass away, what are some of those immediate challenges that whoever's left behind the widow, what are they dealing with at that point? Yeah, first of all, we look at Social Security and find out, you know, was your spouse taking Social Security? Were you taking it? So there's an opportunity there to um, if you're both taking Social Security, just giving them the assurance that the higher Social Security will m- remain, uh, the smaller one drops off. Now, an example is if if maybe the surviving spouse was collecting Social Security their own and their, their spouse who just passed was not, uh, one opportunity you have is maintain taking your Social Security um, and then switching to the widow benefit at a later point when it reaches a higher value. So um, that's an option as well. So Social Security is a big part. Uh, we look at now you're going to switch from uh, a joint tax rate to a to a single tax rate in the future. So you're going to have to you know look at things in a different system in a sense, uh, looking at tax ways. We look at pensions, which is huge because, I again, I had this conversation in the previous podcast with a uh, client who's getting the retirement package from Delta and uh, they give them the pension options. And it just, uh, they're choosing the option where if something happens to him, 50% of the pension goes to the spouse. So if that's the case, we usually recommend a scenario like that, that you should have something go to the surviving spouse. And so now you get one social security, the higher one. Now you have hopefully at least half the pension. Some people are choosing a 100% option, so the pension doesn't change sometimes, but we have to look at that number as well. We're, another big thing is looking at the estate. Uh, did they have a will? You have a trust. You got to update those documents. You got to update your durable power attorneys for health care, for finance, because usually you chose your spouse as a primary trustee, the, the primary executor and durable power of attorney. So you got to change all those, uh, get those all updated. Another, which brings you to the, the point, sometimes we find in this process that on the title of the property, and it shouldn't be this way, but sometimes it's happened. I've, I've seen this at least a dozen times over the last uh, seven, eight years, where just one spouse was on the title of the property. Big mistake. So, and if that was the case, it was on your the spouse who just passed, you're going to have to go through like a living probate to get the house back in your name. I uh, just happened, had we had one of this a little over a year ago where the spouse who survived found out the house was not in her name. They've been married for over 30 something years. She has to go through the probate courts just to get the house in her name. So unfortunately, there's some things that happen when, when this, it just adds insult to injury already right now, when you're already going through a, a tough process, losing your spouse, and then you have to pay money just to have ownership of the house that you've been living in for 30 something years. Um, so estate planning's huge. Insurance, we kind of look at if there's an insurance claim on that as well, uh, to, to file that, make sure if there is insurance, what to do with that money, because that's tax-free money that you would get from the insurance company. Well, as you can say, uh, there's a lot 
a lot to be considered well, yeah. when you when you lose the spouse. So I think that's why that's why we're emphasizing the importance of pre-planning to try to avoid having to deal with a lot of these things for the first time after you lose your spouse. So let's talk about some good and bad situations, Mike. Do you have a story, and I know you've dealt with this a number of times, but do you have a story about a a widowed spouse that maybe was left in a difficult position financially because the planning wasn't done uh, up to the level that you would have wanted? Oh, yeah. Uh, That just happened uh, less than a year ago where nothing was really done. I mean, I'll I'll say the estate was done, but the finances weren't weren't uh, taken care of and she didn't even know where all the the assets were because he had switched money around to um, some other advisor as well so we had part of his money but other part of the money was was somewhere else and we couldn't find it took a long time to find where that money was and it just adds extra stress when you're like you know she could use that money to live and really needed that money to live and had to just try to she had to go through emails and go through uh, documents, you know, that was sent in the mail that she didn't really pay attention to, to figure out where was all this money at. It's really stressful. It took it took several months to find out where those dollars were, and then uh, not on on top of that, there wasn't beneficiaries on one of the accounts, so it was still having to go through the court system to get that money in their name because there was no beneficiary. So the advisor who set them up didn't spend one extra minute to fill out a beneficiary designation, which is just poor planning on the advisor's part. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of unnecessary stress that this uh, widow could have avoided up front with a little bit of extra planning uh, beforehand. I hate to see that. Um, How about the other side of this then? Let's look at maybe a positive example of, uh, of someone that was left in a very good position, very solid financial footing because they planned well. Yeah, and we've seen these as well. Um, when they've and here's the case where husband and wife both came into the meetings together, both were involved with the planning, both um, when we recommend going to attorneys that we'd recommend, we don't do trust here, but they had revocable living trust uh, established and they got their, their assets funded into the trust. So when, uh, when one spouse passed, everything was uh, flawless. Um, nothing really changed because they're both on the trust anyways, but they knew exactly what was going on. And we actually had planned for if one was to pass. Now, some of our clients expected that they're not going to live as long, maybe because of their career, their health situation. So we've run some scenarios if they pass early because they've requested us to do that. I don't like to do that unless they really request. Well, what if um, just say John is only going to live till 75 or 77? You know, what's that going to look like for me? And when we've done that and we show, okay, you're still going to be able to make it because now his IRAs are your IRAs and um, we already planned for the Social Security and the pensions. And it was pretty flawless, uh, still living within their means and didn't really affect them at all, obviously, besides the heartache of losing your spouse. Yeah, that's that's a tough part, but it's good to hear that that worked out uh, maybe maybe best it could, I guess, for for that uh, for that person. So, look, the important thing is to take away from this conversation is planning uh, is key. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, but planning is key in this in this situation, right? Yeah, and we don't tell this just to fill air when people come to our office. We're serious when we tell people get your estate plan done. Uh, don't just have a this old will you did in you know 1985, 1990, and you think that's going to protect your estate. You know, I said, you know, for crying out loud, we update our life insurance, our health insurance, our 
our homeowner's insurance and uh, we change things on the we file taxes every year but then you think you do an estate plan 20 30 years ago and you think it's good uh, and you spent $500 on that I don't think that's going to protect your state for a $500 plan that was 30 years old so you really need to get these updated and um, get that planning done on the state side but also on the financial side to make sure we also have a plan in place if one is not around you know we plan for the worst but we hope for the best so if one is not going to be here that the surviving spouse is going to be okay and that's important to do that planning that's the least you should do if you're married that's what you should be doing uh, to show your loved one that you're going to take care of them that's what you should be doing but unfortunately some people don't want to go down that road yeah, good point. So take those first steps by logging on to principalpreservationservices.com. You can contact Mike through the website there, but if you want to jot down the number as well, it's 855-987-8888. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time now for the mailbag. We turn to a question that came in through the website from Rourke. Who writes, my financial advisor seems to do a good job of managing my investments, as far as I can tell, but we never talk about other things like social security or life insurance or legacy plans, which are all things I feel that I should be getting advice on. Is this typical? Uh, we do find this is very typical. Uh, now, typically 90% of all advisors out there are not fiduciaries. So when you look at, you're probably not working with a fiduciary advisor if they're not offering these other services. So if they're just in the investment selling business, that's pretty much what they're focusing on is selling investments and not really doing any planning, not talking about your required minimum distributions, not talking about having you know, uh, a distribution plan when you're retired. Uh, obviously, like you talk about social security and you know, estate planning, everything we talk about, that should be part of working with an advisor. They should pull everything together. Now, not saying you can't have success that way, uh, we're a big fan of working with somebody who has to put your best interest first, which is a definition of fiduciary. Typically, um, you know, broker-dealers don't have to put your best interest first. To the client, they actually have to put the company they work for first. Um, their real name is agent um, when they're working with a broker-dealer. And they actually, their responsibility is to uh, to the company they work for comes ahead of the client. So, And that's why even when we call on some of the clients, uh, uh, you know, 401ks, you know, we check balances and, you know, they're in our office and the clients are calling. And sometimes, like I think it's Transamerica puts on there, um, we are not fiduciaries. We're not giving investment advice. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of these 401k companies are even putting them on their statements. They're in the, the broker dealer world. They're not actually giving advice. They're not putting the clients, you know, they're not making changes for them. They're in the investment selling business, not in the planning business. Well, thanks for that question. Um, we appreciate our work, and hopefully that answers yeah. your question indeed. And, and look, feel free to reach out to Mike. You know, He's going to cover a lot of these things. We cover them here on the podcast. We have a lot of different conversations on all these different aspects of financial planning. So should help you feel comfortable to speak with Mike and at least have that first meeting and, and get to know more about Principal Preservation Services. And you can do so online principalpreservationservices.com. So look, death to spouse is a very difficult conversation, Mike, but it's one that we need to have because you have it with clients and the reality is you need to plan for it. I 100% agree. It's a tough conversation to have, but um, it is necessary. You know, I last time I checked the mortality rate is still at 100%. Uh, everybody will pass someday. So you got to get this stuff taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hit subscribe on the podcast, please. And you'll have the next uh, episode delivered to you 
in a week. We have a new episode out every single week covering a wide range of financial planning topics. So until next time, I am Ben George. He's Mike Coyanen. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.